Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. I want to welcome you to the Highlands for those of you who don't know me. My name is Aaron. Uh, we're thrilled that you're spending your Christmas Eve with us. Uh, our theme this, uh, this Christmas Eve is light and darkness. Maybe you've noticed that as you came in. You saw the light bulbs and you see all the light bulbs. But just like that song said, we're celebrating that Jesus is the light of the world. I want to read for you John 3, 16 through 21. This is Jesus himself talking. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Uh, start with a little bit of a controversial question, uh, and it was really interesting at the first service, um, the response, but here it is. How many of you open gifts Christmas Eve? Raise your hand. Okay, like all your gifts. Okay, some, okay, yeah. you're spreading it out. Yeah, you just don't want to let go. You want Christmas last forever. Okay, how about Christmas Day? Okay, so this is, it seems a little bit more Christmas Day. It was like a 50-50 split. People were arguing during the Christmas Eve service. It was a little awkward. But um, no, it's just, it's just interesting because Christmas is it's such a unique holiday for a number of reasons. Uh, it's built around a lot of anticipation. It's, uh, it's all working its way toward, you know, Christmas, Christmas Day. I mean, it's the only holiday, if you think about it, which is unique that we celebrate the day before. Like, I don't do anything the day before Thanksgiving, besides work, I guess, you know? But like Christmas, we celebrate the day before. I mean, we're here the day before the holiday, which is kind of weird, kind of interesting. And then every other holiday is like a day, and you just, you, you do the thing on the day, whatever it is. We celebrate Christmas for a season, a whole season. And it seems like that season's getting longer and longer. It used to be that Thanksgiving and Christmas sort of duked it out. Now it's like uh, Halloween and Christmas are going at it. Before it'll be back to school and Christmas. <laughs> and there's a, you know, a big part of it is, is, is like the, the gift stuff, like the economics. Like the stores want you to spend, spend the money. But I think a lot of people that love Christmas, like the weird people that listen to Christmas music year-round. Uh, sorry. <laughs> You're not weird at all. Um, <laughs> kidding. But, uh, you know, for a lot of people, and, and you might be here and this is you, this is the best time of year. You love it. I, I, I love Christmas. Absolutely love it. Um, but I know that that's not the case for everybody. In fact, um, Christmas, for some, can bring out uh, a lot of hardship. One pastor uh, I heard talking about Christmas said that Christmas is like, it's, it's, a, it's a great multiplier. 
So if things are great in life, things are going well, um, you know, you're healthy, you're good, people you love, you know, your relationships are solid, um, you know, life is going the way you had hoped and planned, Christmas multiplies all the goodness, all the, the, the good feelings. It brings out all of that, that joy. But it also, on the, other, on the other side, multiplies the pain, the despair, the sorrow, the loss that some of you in here may be feeling. That Christmas can be really uh, difficult because of maybe the year you've had or the season of life you find yourself in. Or maybe for some of you, this is the first Christmas without a loved one. Or maybe this is the 10th and it still, it still hurts. And so I wonder what Christmas is doing, you know, for you this year. How are you? What's, what's, uh, what's it doing in, in your heart? Because I think we look to Christmas, because of all that anticipation that's built around it, it creates a lot of expectation. And um, the, the, the trouble is that I think rarely uh, do... Do the expectations are they are they met? And if they are, they don't last a real like they don't last long enough. Like it's not good enough. Like all the all the great stuff of Christmas, like it's not good enough to just fix life. It's not like if you had a really hard year and you got to the Christmas season, you're like, well, great, now I'm fixed. And it's not gonna be good enough to just get you through the next year that might bring trial and hardships. Uh, you know, my kids, uh, it's really fun having little kids at Christmas, and they're at the age where they get it now, and so, like, they've been asking. I think every morning for the last number of weeks, they get up, is it Christmas? Because they don't know. And they go, is it Christmas? No, it's not. How many more sleeps is the question. And then this morning, we got to say, it's Christmas Eve, and so you get to open some presents, you know. Then they're like, okay, so how many presents? <laughs> and then, like, at what time do we get to open these presents? And then what happens tomorrow? You know, and, and we, we sort of go through that. And it's, it's fun to see the excitement. Um, but when they open them, you know, they're like, here's your gift. You hand it to them. And they just go crazy on the deal. And they open them. Oh, you know, and it's just like shock, bewilderment, excitement, joy, like pure joy as they look at this thing. And then they, they show you the thing. And then you get your phone. And you go, let me take a picture of you and the thing. And you take a picture of you and the thing. And then they throw it away. And they go, where's the next one? It's as if that thing didn't even exist anymore. It's interesting because it's not even the things. It's, a, it's like almost about the feelings the things give you. But like kids do that. But let's be honest, adults, we do the same thing. I, at least I do. I'm opening a gift. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. And then I'm in my back of my head. I'm going, has my brother-in-law given me something yet? Like I'm counting, like how many gifts have I got and how many can I maybe expect? Like, but it says something about the human condition that there's something in us that's always kind of searching, wanting, des- like that desire, like there's a longing, like there's a, there's a, there's a need, a void, a, 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 something in us that, that we desperately want to fill, fill us, like meet our needs. Bring us joy, make, give us happiness, give us meaning and purpose. And the, 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 tr- the, tr- the, trick, the tricky thing about it is we're often looking to the wrong things. We're actually in, in the darkness when what, what we really need is, is, is the light. 
Because how many of those things, no matter how badly you wanted it, while it might for a moment bring about excitement and joy, if you give things enough time, they inevitably begin to disappoint you. And then we're just looking for the next present, the next gift to open that sort of gives us that feeling and that emotion. And it's tiring, isn't it? Just to keep looking and keep going after more and more and more. And it's like, what if that's not the way that we're supposed to live? What if there's a better way? What if there is something that can actually satisfy like what if, there's, what if there's something that can meet the deepest like needs in my heart and my soul? Like what if I could li- like learn to live like content? What if I could find joy in all circumstances? Jesus in this text that I read, uh, he's talking to a man named Nicodemus and Nicodemus comes to him and he, he, he recogn- Nicodemus recognizes that Jesus is like, different and he's there's something about him and and he he basically asked Jesus like what what must I do to get life like what would it what, what must I do to get into the kingdom like he is a man who who is who is has questions and longings I think it, it's safe to say that Nicodemus is a man who is probably looked at a lot of different places to fill that void in his heart, but like he's come up empty-handed. And then Jesus comes and he's seeing this stuff, he's hearing this stuff, and it's like, it's, whoa, like how do I get on this? Maybe this is the fix. And Jesus comes back to him in, in like, in only a way that Jesus does, you know, it's just kind of this, like, you must be born again is what he says to him. And Nicodemus doesn't understand how that works. Like, well, I can't get back into, like, how do you do that? You got to get back into my mom's womb? I'm not even around anymore, probably, you know? Like, how do I do that? And Jesus, of course, is talking metaphorically. He's saying you have to leave something and, and, and go to something out. Like, you need, to, you need to leave your old life. You need to let go of your old life. You need to let go of, like, all the, I'm, 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 I'm going to these things and I'm going to, uh, try to attain this, and if I can get this, then that's gonna, you know, that's gonna like give me satisfaction, you know, give me satisfaction and give me happiness and all these different things. Like Jesus goes, no, you actually have to die to that stuff. You've got to let go of it and turn to me. Like that's what it means to le- to go from the darkness to to the light. And the, this metaphor of darkness and light is all throughout Scripture. And we see it at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. Like God says, let there be light. And there was light. And it was in that moment that like darkness, disorder, uh, calamity, like, there was, like light gave light and meaning and purpose and life. And so throughout the Bible, that's what we see when, when we see this, this light versus darkness. That light means goodness and life and meaning and purpose and wholeness and healing. Where darkness is on the other side of that. And darkness is evil and strife, chaos and disorder. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, like, I am the light of the world. But the problem is this. 
People love darkness. People live in darkness. Some don't even know that they're living in darkness. Others just love darkness. People wouldn't sin if, it, if it, they didn't like it. If it didn't feel good, at least for a moment. That's the problem, is sin is momentary. It, momentarily, it can give you a good feeling, but it doesn't last. And then, quite frankly, over time, it can produce the opposite. But Jesus says, this is the verdict, is what he says in verse 19. Light has come into the world, meaning Jesus has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light, and their deeds were evil. You look at all of the problems in the world, and there's a lot. And there's a lot of darkness. And there's a lot of finger pointing. And we're always, you know, trying to come up with, like, uh, who's to blame? Jesus gives us a harsh sort of truth bomb here. It's the darkness in people's hearts that's to blame. The evil deeds come from a heart of darkness. In my um, like daily Bible reading devotional, a couple days ago, part of my reading was out of Psalm 36, and the second verse just sort of hit me in light of this sermon. But uh, it says, I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God. Which whenever you see the fear of God, it's not literally being scared of God. It's, it's, a, it's an unwillingness to recognize God's right place. That he's God and you're not. Like there's a, there's a respect and a reverence uh, that you are God and I'm not. You're the Lord of my life, I'm not. Like, things revolve around you, God, and not me. And when you don't, when things revolve around you, and the world revolves around you, and it's all about you, you don't fear God. You don't care. <laughs> but then listen to verse 2. It says, in their own eyes, this is talking about sinners, people in the dark, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. Like, we get too busy obsessed with ourselves sucked into sort of selfishness that the world is ultimately my playground and everything is at my disposal including people including relationships that are meant to meet my needs and we we look to all sorts of stuff tangible intangible things people and we go how can you Meet my needs. What can you do for me? What can you give me? And in the psalm, it's like people are so busy flattering themselves, worshiping themselves, that they can't even see that they're living in sin. But it's real easy to see the sin in others. It's real easy to point out the darkness in others. And it's really easy to just finger point and blame Others, while the, while the rest of the time ignoring what's really going on in our heart. What Jesus wants Nicodemus to do is to look at his own heart. He wants Jesus, Nicodemus rather to see that there, 
there's a condition that Nicodemus has a heart condition and it's problematic. And the truth is you and I, we have that same heart condition. And the diagnosis is bleak. It is dark. It is human depravity. It is sin. It is evil. It is death. And we not only need a diagnosis, we need a cure. And Jesus says, I am the cure. I am the light that can bring healing and wholeness to you. However, if we're too busy flattering ourselves, too busy finger-pointing, we'll miss out on Jesus Christ, and he could be right in front of us. I'm reading this really interesting book um, called The Persuaders. And uh, the big idea of the book is really like, how are people being persuaded? How are people being influenced? Like, how are large groups of people, like, being compelled to think? Which is a really powerful thing. And the book started um, telling a story I had never heard of. Maybe some of you had, had heard this. But uh, it, started like, it starts like this. In June 2014, Alexandra Krylova and Anna Bogacheva arrived in the United States on a clandestine mission as Russian spies. Sounds like a movie, but it, this actually happened. Their trip had been well-planned. A transcontinental itinerary, SIM card, burner phones, cameras, visas obtained under the pretense of personal travel, and just-in-case evacuation plans. The women made stops in California, Colorado, Illinois, Louisiana, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, New York, and Texas, according to the federal indictment issued years later. Beyond that, their activities are not well-known, though their mission was, listen to this, to gather evidence of conditions in the United States for a project to destabilize its political system and society. Russia sent these spies to go around the United States and find out where are, the, where are their weak points. You know, we've been in conflict with Russia for a long time, you know, through the Cold War, and uh, it's not in, in our interest or in Russia's interest to have a nuclear war. So, Russia says, how can we create strife in the United States? How can we destroy America? How can we destabilize their culture? They send these, uh, these two spies and they spend this, you know, long period of time going through the United States, gathering information. They go back to Russia. They go back to St. Petersburg. And guess what they report? Guess what their solution was? for how we could get in and, and create instability in American culture. How can we turn Americans from uh, one another? Social media. Uh, they, they said, there's already a disdain and a contempt for one another in American society. If we can just inflame this, if we can just stir the pot, and just get it going and keep it going, we can, uh, we can cause havoc in this country. And so they went back and they uh, opened what is called the IRA, the Internet Research Agency, um, and they recruited young tech-savvy adults to come and work for them, and they would, these people would create fake social media accounts, they would... Um, clone real accounts and hack real accounts, and they would just spend their day posting misinformation, posting lies, and stirring the pot with inflammatory speech and all sorts 
of things. And people were just going around thinking that like their brother was posting this stuff when it might not have been them. I mean, families, I know of families that were literally ripped apart because of social media dynamics. Like people who still are not talking to each other because of division. And it's like, it might not have actually been them. It could have been some person over in a whole other country. And some of you are going, of course, all of this, all the division in our country, all the problems, like, of course it's the Russians, the Russians. It's always the Russians. Because we want a finger point, we want to blame. And yet, the Russians said this, we didn't do this to America. It was already there. It was all, the disdain, the contempt, the division, the evilness, it was already in their hearts. We just facilitated. We just kept the fire going. The Russians realized that just by looking at what we post on social media, that there was a hatred and an evil in our hearts that they could exploit. And it's easy to want to point at everybody else and lay blame while the entire time being blinded from the stuff that's in our own hearts. What if we just looked at our own hearts? What if we were honest with what's really going on in our hearts? Jesus says people don't, aren't going to do it because they're, they're afraid to be expose their evil deeds. So they will stay in the darkness. They will live in the darkness. Because if I admit that I don't have it together, if I admit of the things I do when no one's looking, if I admit my need, I'm weak or I'm going to be embarrassed or ridiculed or judged. And Jesus says it's sad because I've come to bring light and I've come to lead them out of darkness. But that shame and that guilt that manipulation, the finger pointing, the blame shifting, all of that stuff is keeping you in the dark. And you got a lot of people just looking around going, what's going to fix my problems? What's going to get me there? What's going to fill that void? And people are looking at all sorts of things. People are looking to money and stuff. And it's like, It's the gift wrapping thing. You're going to open it and it's going to feel great for a moment, but give it time. It will not satisfy. Economics, money, all that, like it, it will not fix the problems. Greed is much too powerful. Some look to politics, to, you know, politics and parties and all, like that's going to fix our problems. And I just, I'm like, have we, have we not given politicians enough time they haven't fixed it yet how much more time are we going to give them you know it's like if you put all of your chips in on politicians i'm like oh, be careful maybe it's technology you know technology and all that they're doing look at all the problems it's it's fixed and it's like yeah but it's just created a lot of new ones too or even like, you know, like people will say, if we can just get everybody's mental health all fixed, which I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome. But even like I see a therapist <laughs> and my therapist admits I'm not enough. 
You need something more. And so it's not that technology and economics and stuff and psychology and politics, that any of this stuff is bad. In fact, it's, it's, it's not even that they can't make an impact or do good. The reality is they're not enough. They're not enough to deal with the condition of our hearts. Where they fall short, Jesus comes through. But so many are just going from one thing to the next, living in darkness, looking and trying to get to those other, you know, just the next thing that ultimately is going to bring us life. But I'm here to tell you, psychology, economics, money, jobs, houses, homes, cars, politics, technology, none of it is enough, but Christ is. You see, you may not even know this, but what you need, what your heart needs, is a God who can understand what it is that you've gone through in your life and and can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And that is the miracle of Christmas, that Jesus comes, who is God, becomes human. He experiences everything that human beings experience, but he doesn't give in to the temptation that people give in to. Where Adam gave in and sin entered the world, Christ resisted and righteousness entered the world. So if we choose to live in Adam, if we choose to live in the world or of the world or in the darkness of the world, it means that we are subject to all that the world can give. Sin, evil, dysfunction, and darkness. But if we choose to be in Christ, we get life and light and salvation and hope and joy and contentment. We get adoption into the family of God. We get the Holy Spirit We get a new life, born again. And you want to know what the amazing news, the best part of all this is? You don't have to do much for it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to become a super religious person. You don't have to fix your life and fix all your problems. Like you don't have to clean up the mess before you can receive the gift. Look at what Jesus says. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes, it's not whoever fixes their life. Whoever works hard enough, whoever's most religious and most holy, it says whoever believes, all you have to do is receive and believe Jesus Christ. Who he is, who he says he is, what he's done. Shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the answer. That's the solution to the darkness in our world, in your life. Is to receive the light of Christ by believing in Jesus Christ. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But will have the light of life. Maybe this is you, bouncing from thing to thing, from person to person, from job to job, to gift to gift, and yet there's still an emptiness. I want to tell you, Jesus is the only thing that can fill the void. He is the light that you desperately need. So as the band comes up, 
I want to invite you to stand with me, and you got a candle when you came in. If you're tired of looking everywhere and working hard and trying to fix everything and attain more and more to meet that, that, that place in your heart that just doesn't seem to fill. And you're ready, you're ready by faith to repent, which means to turn, to go, you know what? I, I've been living in darkness. There's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of evil deeds that, that I'm guilty of. And I'm not, I, I'm, I'm going to stop blame shifting. I'm going to stop ignoring that it's there. And I, I am going to turn to Jesus in humility. And I'm going to invite him to become the light of my life. I'm tired of living in the darkness. Jesus came because he's tired of people living in darkness. And when you turn to him in belief and faith, the promise is that you will never walk in darkness again. It's not that life won't be hard or bad things won't happen, but you'll never walk alone again. And there will be a day where he will come again. And all wrongs will be made right. And there will be no more darkness, no more evil deeds. But to walk with him now is to walk in faith toward him, with him, and to know that no matter what, may come at me I am his and he is mine so if you want Jesus to become the light of your life I'm going to ask you just you can turn on this light and it's a physical like way to, sit, to show God God I need you I want you to be the center of my life I want you Jesus to be the light in my darkness so that's the invitation it's not mine it's it's Christ's invitation that, he want, that he's giving you. So as we sing, I encourage you to invite the, to Jesus Christ into your life, to invite him to become the light of your life. Amen.